Welcome to the latest episode of Take Back Our Schools. I'm Andrew Gutman, and along with Beth Feely, we are the two accidental activists, parents who are trying to fix education in this country, and we talk to guests who are trying to do the same. And today we are very fortunate to have one of those parent activists join us today, Alvin Liu. Alvin is a political refugee from California. He moved his family to the Midwest only to find that the same ideologies that ruined his old home are now spreading across the country. He is the founder of an organization called Courage is a Habit, which is, I think, what we're going to talk about today. Courage is a Habit is an organization that creates tools and strategies for the average parent, school board candidate, and legislator to take action in defending children from indoctrination in K through 12. So Alvin, thanks very much for joining us on Take Back Our Schools. Hey, Andrew, Beth, it's always nice to see you guys. I love your yeah. work individually. Well, I love your work together. So, you know, Andrew and I, you know, obviously, you know, we worked on together some things. So it's fun to be here. Yeah, no, thanks. And, and uh, Alvin's one of our friends in this in this movement. So tell us about Courage is a Habit. What made you found it? What is it doing? Why is it important? Why do parents need to know about it? You know, as you know, we, uh, just like a lot of people, had, uh, you know, parent groups locally and uh, learned a lot from the parent groups uh, doing the one here in Indiana uh, and realized that my mistake early on was that coming from California, because it was already so bad and everyone knows about that, right? Don't California, my insert state. Uh, I thought that when I got to Indiana, that if I just open people's eyes in a way that nobody opened our eyes in California, that people would naturally know what to do. That my biggest challenge was people set the same thing we set in California. It won't happen here. There's no such thing as a slippery slope. This is in the Midwest. You don't know. It won't happen here. And we set, you know, in a large part in California, a lot of people in different areas set the same thing. And then, of course, it goes exactly how it went in California. And I thought that, oh, if I just got people to open their eyes and say, hey, this is coming for you. There's a coordinated attack. They're in your schools. They're in your uh, councils, committees, big and small, that people would know what to do. And that was my mistake because I realized that once you got people to see the problem, there was a fear problem. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of white guilt. There was a lot of, no, I don't want to be called a certain name. And, oh, what if they take it out of my kids? And what would people think my friends think? And so I realized that there was a missing piece. We always, and we all do it, right? We think if we can just get people to be educated and aware that they will then vanquish evil, right? Vanquish the, the indoctrination, this, you know, the CRT, the transgender cult, uh, all the, you know, GSA clubs, things like that, right? All the indoctrination. But it's that middle piece that's missing because people go, what do I do? I mean, you know, I thought, what do you mean? What do you do? You go and you fight for your kids. And right. I, so, I, so I realized that there was a big missing piece. And so courage is a habit. And that's why the name courage is a habit is that every parent, I believe, knows what to do. If somebody broke into your house, uh, Andrew or, or Beth, and they wanted to, to do to your kids what they're doing in the schools, they you would not stop and go, you know what? I don't know what to do. Let me go see what. You know, let me go see what Chris Rufo thinks about this, right? Nobody would do that, right? Nobody would go, well, let me go, let me stop and see what Andrew Gutman thinks about this. Parents would know what to do. It's kind of hard to think rationally when these types of threats are facing your kids. I mean, it's very, very upsetting when mm -hmm. you learn really what what is being taught, um, some of the motivations behind it. So I think it's kind of understandable that people are kind of frozen 
Mm-hmm. And, and really, really paralyzed with fear and they don't know what to do in, in addition to all of the consequences that you uh, laid out. So were there a couple of specific interactions that helped you see this or were people anecdotally just telling you kind of things that were going on and, and you kind of put it together? Well, uh, both, you know, we would have, you know, large groups of people show up for events, you know, huge following on social media, a lot of this is unacceptable. We're going to take back education. And then you give them something like, here, go ahead and uh, write a op-ed or write a letter to the newspaper. Well, I can't do that. All right. Well, show up for school board and do this. Well, I can't do that. Well, uh, what, just out of curiosity, I, mean, I think we all, we know some of the answers, but you know, from the feedback you were getting from those people, what were their reasons for saying they can't do that? Would they, would they articulate that they were scared of the consequences? Yes. They just yeah. said they were too busy. Yeah. Okay. Scared. They're scared. Okay. Oh, you know, and I, I, I'll talk a little bit about the idea. The biggest excuse is what they take it out on my kid. So don't let me forget that. I'll come back to that. But Got it. okay, it's mo- a lot of it is the well, you know, I have friends in this industry, and I have then you know, I, and I remember okay, I remember meeting this one guy. Okay, he, and this he, is he, in, he, this is in Indiana, not in California. Indiana, right? this is in Indiana. Okay. So I'll tell you the story, okay. and then we'll get into courage to happen. What we do, because I think at the end okay. of the day, that's the most important. It's like, what are we doing for parents, right? Um, but uh, I remember he, you know, messaged me. He came to a school board meeting, sat in the back, listened. And then afterwards, he was like, you know, F these people. And I'm going to, you know, he was just, I was like, great. Because, you know, in this in this space, there's not enough men. There's not enough real yeah, men. Yeah, not, men, not, right? not enough dads. I agree. I not would agree. Dads, yeah. Not enough dads, not enough husbands, not enough strong fathers, men that are going to fight, right? That, you know, men fight differently, right? So I was like, this is fantastic, right? Because that's the challenge. So I met him for a couple of beers and he was just boom, gung-ho, right? I'm like, all right, I'm going to bring him into this group. All right, what do you want to do? What do you like to do? Well, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not a great speaker. I only speak, I can speak, but if it's like in front of a friendly crowd, it's like, huh? That's <laughs> not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, but you speak in front of people that are not friendly sometimes. It's easy to speak in front of an echo chamber, right? If it's one of like my events, right? And then like, okay, all right, well, do you know how to write? Well, I'll write a little bit. All right, well, but I can't use my name though, because, you know, it's a, the... so anyway, like an hour and a half with this guy starts off just F these people. We're going to do this. I'm going to do that. At the end of the day, I didn't have anything for him because every time I had something for him, he had an excuse why he couldn't do it. So, you know, if that raises the question, that's, that's probably not a good fit. It probably isn't a good fit. And so should you be spending your time looking for other people where it is not as hard of a you know sales job or, you know, it's not as hard to convince them? I think he represents a larger people, the majority, then he doesn't. And because I realized then that people have adopted fear as a habit. Everything he talked about was from a place of fear. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that I can give him all the tools. We can make all these things. We can explain social emotional learning. We can do the, all the, we can explain and teach people why this is happening. But if they always default to fear, then they won't do anything. And so I realized that we have to spoon feed people at the same, we got to Give them little bits of pieces. We can't talk about social emotional learning as this like gigantic Trojan horse that's changing education. We can't talk about how transgender cult is taking over this. We can't, we have to break it down for people in bite-sized pieces of education. And then the most important thing is to give them a call to action at the end. And our opponents do a great job of that. They don't say, you know, go and uh, throw a Molotov through a, a store. They go, can you just tweet this? Can you sign this petition? Can you put a little black square? You can do that, yeah, right? It's like a, a little step. Gateway. Do you also find that there's a um, 
well, two things. There's a kind of a strength in numbers that it's a lot, it's easier to get people to do when they're not alone in doing it, because yes. I do think it's pretty intimidating Huge. to have to show up by yourself and mm -hmm. quite frankly, make a statement that won't have much impact if it's this lone ranger that's going in alone. I mean, but having a couple people there with them or her yeah. makes a huge difference. And then um, right. Right. secondly, I wanted, well, I, I'll let you answer that first. No, of course. And then and uh, and our opponents do a great job of that. They never show up by themselves. They always galvanize, but then they give them jobs that, can you just stand there with a t-shirt? Can you show up with a t-shirt? Can you show up with a sign? That's it. Yeah. That's all we want you to do. And then they give them these gateway actions. Our side don't do that. Our side always goes, we need to take back the country and uh, let's, let's beat China. You know, I mean, right. you know, <laughs> right? And they go, you know, right. We, we, we pray for pray, pray because Jesus is on our side. That, these are these really big things that don't actually have anyone actually do anything. And that's no, where courage as a habit came in. We're, we were like, okay, we're not going to talk about the problem. We will educate and teach. And then we will have call to action. We'll have gateway actions. And a lot we'll of talk about, tools, yeah. I mean, talk about some of these, I know you, there's some specific initiatives that you focused on with courage of a habit. So, yeah, yes. Talk about a couple of those. Sure. So if you go to like courageisahabit.org, um, if you go to courageisahabit.org, we have all these different tools and strategies. So one of them that we did uh, in the middle of summer, one as our back to school campaign, back to school campaign is um, teaching parents what the SEL surveys are. This is one of those things that parents, most parents don't know that children are getting in-class surveys. And without getting, because we know we can spend 30 minutes just on this, uh, the surveys are a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a bloodline to SEL. They take the survey questions, they manipulate it. Uh, companies that the schools, all, all, most all school districts spend a ton of money on these companies, like a Panorama or Power School. There's a lot of them. And they manipulate the answers to justify bringing in more radical policies. Can you give, can you give a, like an example or two of some of the questions that might be on Absolutely, I can I can do better than that. I can actually read you one of the questions. Okay. How's that? Okay. So if you go to couragehabit.org, this is I'm reading from a, a document called Survey Says. And we took seven survey questions. Okay. These are actual SEL survey questions. And I will read you the questions and I will explain how they interpret it through an equity lens, in other words, through the lens of a critical race theorist. Yep. And then then you may not recognize that, but every parent listening, especially the people following you guys will recognize the intervention as a result of it, okay? All right, so how confident are you that you can complete all the work that is assigned in your classes? How confident are you that you can complete all the work that is assigned in your classes? If you show this to a million parents, I don't think you'll find one parent that thinks that's a really inappropriate question, right? Right, right, okay. Sounds right but it's great. priming the kid to say that it's kind of going in with the premise, like I'm not, you're asking me just how, how much am I not able to do my work? Not can I, can't I? I mean, it's kind of, it gives them the continuum that kind of primes them to think that this is a problem. I can't finish my homework. At least that's how I take it. It's actually more insidious than that. So what they do is when they ask them, how confident are you that you can complete all the work that's assigned in your classes? However, the child answers, unless they go, oh, I'm a thousand percent confident I can complete everything, which obviously most students aren't going to say that, right? However, they answer it, okay, unless they answer it like, oh, yeah, I'm 100%. This is how they'll interpret it. The scores will indicate that school culture is suppressing their ability to complete work. 
Right. Now remember, social emotional learning is always about the system because they're priming kids to be social justice activists about the system, taking down the system. It's systemic racism. It's anti-bias. The system's broken. The system is stacked against children, you know, kids of color, right? So they come out. You gotta remember, they're priming the kids to come out in the country and then be social justice warriors to take down the systems. That's America, right? That's any kind of American uh, systems, anything that, that, that the country's built on. So they'll take this and they'll say, you know what? The school culture is suppressing their ability to complete the work. So that's the problem. They'll invent the problem. And here's the intervention. Increase counseling services for students with lower scores to investigate ways to improve school culture, more BLM representation, more LGBTQ representation, more flags, more clubs, more social justice, more books, sexuality books in the library so that people feel represented. Then they feel the culture. You see, parents never guess that. Probably less schoolwork, it's less schoolwork as well, because all of that takes up time and energy. And so that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the intervention parents would recognize because because every parent goes, How did my school become like this? How are they justifying all this stuff? Well, now this is why. So anyway, the survey says goes through seven questions. We give you examples. We talk about the intervention that they recommend. This helps parents go, oh, I okay, I know why my school has turned into this. How did they justify this? Because remember, they'll always say words like data-driven, evidence-based, research shows. Parents are, what research? What data? Your child's data, the surveys, the SL surveys, okay? So our campaign was to teach parents what it is and how to protect the child. So at the end of the data mining opt-out, we have a, 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 a tool called data mining opt-out. We teach parents what this is. And then we had our attorney write a form where parents can fill out. Uh, they can fill out online or they can fill it out on the computer. It's just a PDF form or they can print it out. Then we teach them who to send it to, who to CC, and then what to do when the schools lie to you and say, I can't, you can't opt out. I was just going to ask, have you had instances where parents have tried to submit this form and were, okay, and it was rejected by the school? Tell us about that. Yeah. So we at so at the end of the form, we or before the form, there's an appendix A that we teach parents or appendix B. We teach parents what happens if the school lies to you. So what we tell parents is this. And this this advice I'm going to give parents is actually applies to all opt-out, all opt-out forms. Okay. Not just the SEL surveys. This is a this is a strategy that every parent can deploy. A school will very rarely, if ever, write you back and tell you you cannot opt your child out of surveys. What they'll do is they'll call you. Or they'll, they'll have you come into the office and they'll talk to you in person. They'll try to gaslight you, stonewall you, whatever, to get you to take back the form. Uh, our advice is this. Uh, whether they call you or they do it in person, you nod and you smile and you go, okay, thank you for your time. Don't say anything. Then you go back home. You open up an email. You, you email the person that you talk to either by phone or in person. And then you CC everybody on the school board, the superintendent, unless it's a superintendent you're talking to, the principal, unless it's the principal you're talking to, then you CC the superintendent. Basically, CC everyone that you can find. And you say this, okay? I'm going to give you the script. Dear superintendent, on September 28th at 1230, we had a phone call or we had a meeting. It was in regards to the opt-out form that I emailed you. 
you told me I cannot opt my child out of SEL surveys. I want to confirm that this is your position that I cannot opt my child out of these surveys. And then you link the PPRA. And we have the link to the PPRA is the pupil protection rights because most parents don't know the rights and they don't know the rights the kids have. Okay. So we link that so that you learn that they will not come back and say, you're, you're all right. I confirm you cannot, they won't do it because they know that they're lying to you. Right. But at least you have a paper trail. And also I would encourage people to go, try to go with your spouse partner, but not to just go alone. It really helps to have two people in that meeting. Um, It's a lot harder to, you know, get into a, he said, she said, you know, just misunderstanding about what was communicated. And we, we current counsel parents to do the same document, document, document for your own good, as well as just for following up. Um, So I wanted to ask about uh, school counselors, if we could move on to that, because you've done some very good work kind of uh, exposing what's happening at their annual meetings. And so it is the it's the American School Counselors Association. Do I have that right? The American School Counselors Association. Yes. Okay. Um, Tell us tell us about that conference and what you found out. Okay. so. The group that m- almost no parents ever look at is the American School Counselor Association. In other words, your school counselors. They've been operating with impunity. They are the group that pushes the transgender cult more than anybody else, okay? Now, ASCA, so when you hear me refer to ASCA, that's what I'm referring to. The American School Counselor Association, or ASCA, is a private company, but the great majority of all K through 12 school counselors take their missions and objectives and training from ASCA. So the devious scam here is that they have influence over the public education without having to abide by uh, a public government entity like a school. You cannot foyer ASCA. You can foyer your school, but you try to foyer your school and go, what are your counselors learning? They're going to go, it's got nothing to do with us. This is a membership that they go to. So it's a great, great wall that you as a parent will never find because you can't, it's a private, it's a, it's a nonprofit. So we discovered for a little while now that they push the critical race theory very heavily, very, very anti-white uh, students, very wh- anti-white anything, America, um, American systems, anti, I mean, very heavy push on the transgender cult. But here's the devious thing about school counselors. We always think about them as the guidance counselors. Right. You help them with academics. Maybe you're having a hard time. They talk to you if you're having a difficult time. Maybe you're going through something, and then they bring your parents in and say, "This is what we're hearing from. This is what we're seeing from school. What are you seeing at home?" And then they'll recommend you, hopefully, to a therapist. And then that's it. They, they're very high level, but that those days are gone. They are not. They are fully formed activists. We'll be back with more with our guest Alvin Liu right after this. The Biden administration is constantly finding new ways to fail and then blaming others for it, except when it is intentionally failing on issues like the border and energy policy. Well, we're not going to let them get away with that. I'm Greg Columbus. Join Jim Garrity of National Review and me each weekday for the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We'll give you the good, bad and crazy news of the day and lots of laughs, too. Find us right here on the Ricochet Audio Network at ricochet.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
what, what is there a typical educational background of someone in today's world who becomes one of these counselors? Are they are they coming from the, the you know, psychology degree background? Are they coming from teacher you know ed schools? Uh, teacher a, colleges, uh, child psychologists. You know, a lot of the ther- some of the therapy kind of background. A lot of them don't even have a background. A lot of them just have a background in education. They just they, okay. they, they just go through the teacher colleges. It's not like they have. They're not like you know, like PhDs, therapists, or anything like that. They come from that world a little bit, but they don't. They're not PhDs. You know, what I mean, they're, they're not, not PhD psychologists no, or, or nothing like that. Medical no, doctors, psychiatrists. Okay, you'll you'll get teachers who then go for a second degree, like a certification in that. I know I've heard certifications of that happening stuff, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got it. Okay, and most of them are pretty young, and they're just you know very radicalized through the because the academia at the high level is already so you know radicalized. And just along those lines, before you go on, is it really is it all of them is it 10 percent? like you know how, how many really are kind of acolytes for this type of of crt and the transgender agenda versus the ones who really are just trying to do a good job and help kids these days from what we've seen maybe 70 30 for what our kind of our estimation based on just 70 activists 30 yeah. none okay right. right right and maybe a little less because you know you, you, as you know the like the teachers that don't want to do this or get silenced, they get bullied, they get manipulated, right? So I say 70, 30, because out of that 70, I would say maybe half of them are super activists, like purposeful activists, and the other half just are brainwashed themselves. So when I say the 70%, let's say let's say half of that are real purposeful, like they know exactly what they're doing, and the other half are just, they're brainwashed themselves, they're young, they're usually female, you know? And they're just very, very brainwashed themselves and not like they're ill intent, but the results are the same. Yep. And then we find 30% of them go, this is awful. I don't want to no, the parent. This is the parent's job. It's not my. And then they get silence and bully and docs and things like that. So, you know, when you try to go to them and say, hey, this is what you guys are doing. They'll say, no, that's not what we're doing. We just we're not political. We're neutral. We support all children. That's it. So we said, all right. Let's, let's see if that's really true. So they had a conference in Austin in July and the con- the annual conference for ASCA was called No Limits. I kid you not. They called it No Limits, which I thought was pretty obtuse when you're around kids to name your conference No Limits, you know. Uh, it was called the No Limits Conference and uh, we went there and we grabbed as many of the videos, uh, PowerPoints. This was in an, in an in-person conference or this was? This was an in-person and virtual, both. Okay. There's both. So there are certain things we can grab off the virtual, right? That you can't do in person and yep. vice versa, right? So we didn't get everything because they, they have three, like two and a half days of this stuff. And it's just, you know, there's a ton of it. But it was all either critical race theory or transgender ideology. It was like, it, all of it was just surrounding these things about safety and abuse. And, and, and so they, they redefined those two words. And I'll talk about that in a second. But anyway, so we grabbed this. And it was so bad, like even worse than what we had thought, right? And when you're trying to convince a large group of people to see something that's always been in front of them, you can't, I, like I couldn't just open up a Dropbox and say, here's all 300 slides and here's all 25 hours of videos, go to it. Nobody would read or anything, right? right. You have to drip it out a little at a time. So we created a campaign called Behind Closed Doors, okay? You can download it right now uh, at couragesahabit.org or off the link in our Twitter, at Courage Habit. It's called Behind Closed Doors. Now remember, ASCA up to this point has 
been, we're neutral. We love all kids. We support all kids. That's what we're doing. We're not doing any of the things you're accusing us of. You guys made it all up. We released behind closed doors on Wednesday, September 7th. By Saturday morning, two and a half days later, I get a message from my uh, website developer that said that ASCA went to Amazon Web Services, which is where our servers are hosted, and basically uh, bully them to break the link to behind closed doors. So then my website couldn't link to it. Okay. Then on Monday, Google came to us and took the entire campaign off our Google Drive. It's because ASCA went to them. That was Monday afternoon. Monday, I did a podcast with uh, a a great guy named Mark. His uh, podcast is called Unwokable. I did a podcast with him talking about that. By Tuesday, his YouTube gets suspended. Gee, there's kind of a pattern here, isn't there? Somebody does not want this information to go out. So what was the justification that they gave? Like, why did they they say it was taken down? Because they said that it was copyright because I grabbed stuff from their conference and I have the logo in it. Oh, so block the logo out. Yeah, but I, that didn't but, but no, I didn't do it. I could have and probably resubmitted it, but I decided, we decided to use that as a, uh, we got it out in different ways, right? We moved it around so that we moved it to a place that they couldn't necessarily touch it. And then we said, if you, if you're only supporting kids and you're not doing stuff, why are you so afraid? And that got us, uh, a, you know, a lot of write-ups and media attention for it. And that's how it kind of blew up. Um, but on Wednesday, and every time I tell the story, I still kind of laugh because I still kind of hard to believe. So anyway, on Wednesday, a week after we released it, it might've been even Tuesday night, uh, the Biden's, uh, U.S. Department of Education released this like quickly thrown together video talking about how great school counselors are. Like the, 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 the U.S. Department of Education did a PR piece for ASCA, <laughs> literally not just for school counselors, but for ASCA. Itself, a, a non Someone in central command is, issued the order. It sounds like. Imagine wow. that. Imagine the U.S. Department uh, of Education doing a PR fluff piece for a nonprofit. Yeah, the timing is a little suspicious, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so what? I guess so. You got the information out there, and you uncovered what? Like, what were some of the more egregious examples of this content that they were fighting so hard to keep silent or keep secret? Uh, we had the head of the ethics committee. Uh, Carolyn Stone. She's been the head of the ethics committee for 20 years. In her opening uh, session to kick the conference off, she told of a story about how a school counselor took a child to get contraceptives because her mother didn't let her. And she oh, this said, is child? Uh, she didn't age. say it. She said child. Okay. She didn't specify. Okay. She just said child. So we assume... Regardless, least, under eighteen. Like well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, sure, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, we either we we assume either middle school or you know, freshman or sophomore or something. And she said the mother didn't want her to do it. School counselor took her, gets contraceptives, and the school counselor's like went to her. Remember, this is the head of the ethics committee for ASCA. Okay, say so what do you what do you think we you know I did this. What do you think? And she says, well, there was three ways we could go with this. Either one you convinced a girl to go to her mother and convince her mother that she needs contraceptives. Two, the school counselor uh, calls a mother and owns up to what she did. Or three, she called it, hold your breath and pray, meaning pray the mother never finds out. And she asked the audience, what do you think we should do? And the audience said three. And she says, 
that's what we got to do. Uh, she wasn't joking. She wasn't any of those things. We have the long version. We have the short version. So she's encouraging going behind parents. Absolutely. And then we've got other videos about how to stonewall parents, especially when it comes to the transgender, the pronouns, the names. How do you stonewall parents? Uh, you know, we had a video where they're saying that kids are being erased because of parental rights bills. Think about that. They right. think kids are being erased because of parental rights bill. What she was referring to was the parental rights bill out of Florida, where you say between kindergarten and third grade, you cannot talk about sexuality, you know, to your children. And third grade was too old for them. To them, that's erasing children. On and on and on and just, right? And so behind closed doors, this gives you a fraction of what we found. So if you go download it, you see the videos. We got some uh, slides that are talking about all the transgender stuff the debt naming, all these made up terms. And it's all about changing the culture of the school. And that's what we found. That's what blew up. And we're, we have part two coming out this week. So it's, uh, you know, the last week here of September, uh, we're going to have part two for uh, Behind Closed Doors out. You care to give a preview? Sure. We are going to be uh, featuring one of their uh, top trainers of ASCA. And we're going to be featuring all the things, all the, her writings, her videos, things of that nature. Uh, and her name is uh, Emily, Dr. Emily Goodman Scott. And uh, she's one of their top trainers. Uh, she's one of the big faces of ASCA. And she will tell you exactly who they are. Um, you know, whether it's a, a class or a workshop or a training, I think it's important to look at the identities that we bring and the intersecting identities we bring into um, the room with us as we all have those. Um, this is an image that's originally from um, folks in Canada, but there was our group school counselors for MTSS. We had um, Jen Betters Bubon, um, Rebecca Pianta, Damian Sweeney, and myself had an article that came out in PSC recently. We cited this um, privilege wheel, and they did a presentation two days ago that um, anti racism starts with us. So, looking at really internally, where are we? So, I think anytime we engage in any conversation, I think it's important to be aware of the identities, um, those in which are historically oppressed or historically privileged and how those intersect as we bring ourselves together. She, that's in her own words, her own writing, her own everything. And she is super radical. Uh, we, we, and she's actually featured in the original entry to Behind Closed Doors. And she said, again, everybody can go down the list to themselves. I'm not making this up. She says that school counselors are the best master manipulators. She's very proud of that. She says, we are the best master manipulators. So, Parents and everybody in general cannot believe it until they see it. Are they, can I, I want to stop you for one second. She's referring to being able to manipulate kids, manipulate parents, manipulate the, teachers, everything, manipulate the whole thing, everything, everything. The system. She's talking about okay. the system, They're changing okay. the system. Okay. It's always about manipulating, changing the system. So of right. course the system is kids and parents and teachers, right? Because that's, that's where they live. They live in K through 12. Um, you know, a lot of critical race theory stuff, a lot of anti, you know, we have slides from them talking about white people. And I think, you know, if you're a white child going under this kind of environment and, you know, I had a theory, I, I, I did this one thread, okay. In Twitter that actually blew up pretty well. And I had a theory about how, why the transgender cult largely affects the white population more than almost any ethnicity. So for example, you, I, I challenge anyone listening to this right now, find me a picture of an Indian uh, mother that drove their daughter to go get uh, double mastectomies at 14. Find me an Asian mother, find me even a black mother that took their, drove their daughter to the clinic. 
I mean, if you look hard enough, maybe, but I don't think anybody can think of it. Can you? I can't. I, I've never seen that. So my theory, and this, this is probably, the, usually when we encourage us to have it, put things out, we have stats, we back up, we have all these things behind that we can back all the stuff up that we, we put out, right? Or we just put out something like for ask us right in your natural habitat. So this is my theory, okay? I don't have anything to back this up. This is on observation alone. I believe that the transgender cult affects the white population more than anybody else is because we've told white kids how evil they are, how oppressive they are, and what a monsters they are just for having, just being white. So by the time they get to middle school, they're so ashamed of themselves. And a lot of times these, you know, suburban moms and these really woke mothers put that shame on them because they've gotten it from academia themselves that they are desperate to find any affinity groups and ASCA calls them affinity groups to join because once you join that affinity group, once you identify with something else, you're immediately atoned. You're immediately atoned. Right. You now are a victim. You're oppressed yourself. Well, you've had, you've had, right. You've become one of the marginalized. So now you have your place kind of on the whole mm -hmm. wheel of marginalization Right. Yeah. No. And I've actually, I have, I've actually, I have read that before. I think it, it makes sense because of course, kids, I think kids are naturally empathetic. Very. I actually, we talk about empathy, empathy, empathy all the time, all the time. And girls, girls, especially. And we right. see, obviously with the, we see with the gender dysphoria, this is overwhelming. overwhelming exactly. Girls, right? And yeah, so you're seeing this, this contagion, social it contagion, is. mostly yeah. amongst uh, adolescent girls. And so, no, I think, it, I think that makes some sense. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, that the, if these trends continue and then, you know, I guess that that will be the proof. So, um, well, there, there is a lot on your website. I mean, and it is, you know, back to where we yeah. started, it's overwhelming. It's very overwhelming to when you look under ah. the hood and see what your, you know, for example, your school counselor is learning at the annual meeting. Um, what, I guess, in getting back to the, the parents and the parents' role, I guess, what advice do you have mm -hmm. for them? And what would you like to see happen so that this landscape looks different in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, can I jump in? Because I want to kind of piggyback to, to Beth's question is, you know, this kind of stuff really plays well on Twitter, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, we see it. And, you know, something really egregious gets on Fox News. But to Beth's mm -hmm. question, how do you get this in front of the everyday parent that isn't on yeah. Twitter? You know, how do you reach that audience? And that's that's a challenge for courage as a habit. I think it's a challenge for all parent groups. Um, I think it will always be a challenge. And I don't think we have five to 10 years. I think we have like one to three, depending on where you are. So my answer to that is that you have to do the things that are kind of the unsexy things, the things that don't get a lot of media attention as a parent. Okay. So... Here's, some, here's the tips I would have. You don't need to have a parent group, but it certainly helps to have a parent group. You can start one. You don't need to blow up to, you know, you know, 100, you know, 500 members or anything like that. But if you have five or six, 10 people, it's helpful to have a parent group. Okay, that's one. You don't have to, nobody says you have to have a parent group to stand up for your child. You should be able to stand up for your child, right? Your parents have been doing it since the dawn of time. But if you have a parent group, it certainly helps to best point about numbers, right? And then, you know, you brainstorming things. If you get a parent group, or even if you're individual, my best advice is don't try to fight everything at once because you'll burn out. Pick one or two things that you really feel like you might be able to make a difference. Like if you want to get the books out of the library, get some books, get some books out of the library. If you want to say, you know what, I'm going to get my 10 best parent friends to turn in an opt-out form to say, you are not to meet school counselors. You cannot meet with my child. 
And again, if you download Behind Closed Doors, at the end, we have a form to talk about that. Again, we're always about giving tools to parents. So if you download Behind Closed Doors, at the end, we provide you a form written by our attorney that gives you that option to turn that in and start that paper trail, right? So pick something, pick one, maybe two things tops and really just focus your energy on that. Because if you try to focus on five or six things, like Beth said, when you open the hood, it's so many things, it's so overwhelming. It's only overwhelming if you try to take on everything that pops up because there'll always be something. So don't fall into what I call the, can you believe this trap? The, can you believe this trap? When you're on social media, Facebook, there's always someone, did you see this? I can't believe they did this now. And then everybody scurries to try to react to that. So try not to be reactive. Try to go, you know what? This is horrible. I know. Just expect that every year, every few, not every year, expect that every couple of months, they're going to come up with something where you're like, I cannot believe this. I can't believe they're doing this. Just accept that. That's the, that's the K-12 system today. So focus on one or two things and do the things that are not very sexy. It isn't like it's not very sexy to say, I want to opt my child out of surveys. What does that really do? But if you understand how important surveys are, that makes a measurable difference, not immediately. I mean, it, it makes a measurable difference to your child because they're not being surveyed and their data is not being captured. But over time, over the quarter, over two months, three months, four months, you will see that things change a little bit because you're just targeting that one thing. So let's say, for example, you have like a really bad principal or a really bad teacher. Just focus on that teacher. Everything he does, you highlight it. You put a spotlight on it and you show how radical that teacher is. Try to get him suspended. Mm -hmm. Try to get him out of there. You, you see, I mean, you, so you try to make a measurable difference. But, you, but if you're trying to just fight everything, you're going to get you're going to burn out. Mm -hmm. I think that's really helpful advice. Um, so form form a group, don't do it alone, but be focused. Because I think another uh, benefit is that if you have those small successes, mm -hmm. they can they may parlay themselves into even other successes. Like you'll kind of gain some momentum, and and then you can kind of move on to the next thing. So very good. Well, all right. People can find out more about courage is a habit mm -hmm. at courage is a habit, and is it dot com or dot org? org. Yes, correct. Or, or Twitter, okay, Instagram is at Courage Habit. Uh, and, uh, you know, great. we've seen our stuff around. Um, we get a ton of traction, a lot of organic. We don't spend a dollar on advertising. I think we had like uh, like 1.2.14 million impressions on Twitter in the last 28 days Terrific. without a, a single That's dollar. Great. So, it, you know, if what we're doing is, is, is helpful to you. You want to help us keep going, you know, anything, uh, any kind of donation helps for us because we're a small donor uh, and, and we live on that. And every dollar goes back to us doing the things that you don't have time to do. Uh, and if people have a have a little a group or kind of a little local website or, or network, can they link to your resources? Like, are these okay? Great. So you are meant these are meant to reach the grassroots and and empower parents and and teachers and. That's right. Ahead. They're not copyright. There's no like you have to get our permission. If you find something you like, please link it, link it, share it, get it into as many hands as possible. So you're not going to do what Aska did and shut down these websites of this. I won't go shut down your website. No, we're not. <laughs> okay. We actually want our stuff out there. No, okay. we believe in links yeah. and, and sharing we information. We actually believe in what we're saying. How's that? We were proud of what we're saying. Okay.
Well, it is great work, Alvin. Thank you for uh, coming on. And we hope that people will take advantage of the many resources that you do make available. And also, um, as you roll out part two yeah. of the uh, No Limits exposure, uh, we hope that that goes Thank well. You. So, and, and we'll have you back at some Thank point. Thank you very much, you guys. Thanks for having me. Thankfully, Alvin is on the case. I mean, what great work with exposing the ASCA material. Um, and you know, you know, we were chatting about it just a little bit that it is so sad and particularly uh, insidious that it is the, the organization of people that are actually counseling kids who are already vulnerable that have yep. fallen in with these ideologies, which is really the, you, you can't help but have that be a takeaway after looking at those materials. Yeah, yeah, they, they really do prey on these kids and, and, and kids that really do need help. And uh, it's it's and, and then and then the separation from the parents. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, parents are the abusers in a lot of these yeah. instances. And these counselors are the saviors and doing really evil things. It's it's scary. I, you know, I think the bigger picture also here is it's like we're always playing whack-a-mole, though. There's all these organizations that we've never heard of. There's all these, you know, we talk about counselors, we talk about librarians, we talk about teachers, we talk about administrators and consultants, and that's just within, you know, K through 12. And there's so much for us to talk about, so much for parents to get educated on. It's really hard. I mean, it's one of the reasons I think this battle is so hard, because this oh, game of whack-a-mole, like, never ends. There's new acronyms, it's CRT, it's SEL, it's the gender and trans stuff, it's all these other things. But we've got to keep talking about it. Oh, we do. And I think going back to some of the um, advice that he gave is, is be focused. You know, you are not going to be able to fight every single battle that comes across, you know, your plate. You just, you won't be able to do it, but, but choose them and get some wins. And, you know, so you don't have to know about every organization, but, but figure out the one that you do want to learn about and, and dive deep and, and try to make a difference. Um, and I know from my experience that you do like you you can't address every everything, but when you do get a couple of wins, then people start paying more attention and then they want to also kind of join in the fight. And I think that's that is how we'll yeah. make some headway. Um, so, all right. Well, with that, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share it and give us a positive review wherever you access your podcasts. And do please join us again. On behalf of my co-host, Andrew Gutman, this is Beth Feely, and we'll be back soon with another episode of Take Back Our Schools. Ricochet. Join the conversation.